Joining us right now is David Shipley. He's our 640 Toronto tech analyst. Welcome to the program, David. Good to have you on. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Before I get to the reason why I called you, I want to know if you have any thoughts on this, the widespread outages at wireless providers that are causing um, issues with calls being dropped or trouble getting through to people. Uh, You know, if you're trying to make a a cell phone call, Rogers seems to be the most affected, but there are other uh, TELUS, Bell, and uh, Freedom Mobile also saying they're having some issues. So what's interesting, it looks like um, TELUS's network itself is not affected. It's calls from TELUS to other network users. Rogers and Freedom Mobile, um, which is owned by Shaw, seem to be having the same issue um, with respect to this voice calling and, and uh, haven't been able to get to the bottom of what's going on with Bell. It is highly unusual, um, and my gut tells me this may have to do more with like some kind of a software update or a network change, just due to the timing of when this might have happened in terms of and usually the weekend or when they'll do updates or fixes, um, and it's just really unusual. I don't think we've seen something quite like this um, in a long time. In Atlanta, Canada, a couple of years ago, we had a complete cellular outage, um, but that was due to the severing of the actual fiber cables that carry all the cell phone communications back and forth. Um, but in this case, it's going to be really interesting to see what the root cause was. Yes, you guys learned a valuable lesson and call before you dig. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's still a lot of mystery around that one. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. I want to talk about the reason why I reached out to you, David, was this iPolitics uh, column that said MPs, staff warned not to use Chinese app WeChat due to cybersecurity risks. Now, I don't know how many people have the app WeChat on their phones, but w- what's risky about this? Well, WeChat is a Chinese company, and so it is subject to China's very overly broad, um, we can use your technology for intelligence gathering and national security purposes, which is at the crux of a lot of concerns around the, the Huawei debate and, and other issues. Uh, secondly, it doesn't use what's known as end-to-end encryption. That is, messages are securely wrapped and encrypted in such a way that only the person you're supposed to be um, sending it to can actually unpack it and read it. Um, in this case, uh, WeChat has full access to this information. And so uh, they're concern is that any kind of confidential or compromising information, particularly for politicians, will end up in the hands of China's uh, national uh, intelligence um, agencies, as well as potentially other uh, foreign governments that also tap on encrypted communications and are highly interested in the comings and goings of politicians. This isn't just uh, one of those retaliations for what's going on with our relationship right now and the strained uh, relationship between Canada and China? No, this is straight up good, uh, just good practice and good, I would say, operational security advice to politicians and political actors. Um, I think the, the most common usage of this would be in um, cases or, or uh, political parties or individuals who are um, courting uh, Chinese votes, um, Chinese speaking votes um, that would use WeChat as an app as well. Um, but also anybody that may be trying to use this platform as sort of an organizing tool or, or a um, backroom sort of community communications tool, you're exposing yourself to a lot of potential risk. And there are more secure options, for example, Telegram, Signal, um, even uh, WhatsApp, uh, all have better security than WeChat. Are you surprised that the government's not, you know, backed off Huawei yet and decided to uh, enforce a ban? We talked about this a couple of months ago. Yeah, frankly, flabbergasted, shocked, uh, disappointed. I don't know what other words I can throw at them because at this point, the 
the concerns, the cases, the evidence is overwhelmingly clear. And the only thing that I can think of is the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars that has already been invested in this equipment by Canadian telecommunications companies is a concern for the government, which I understand. Um, but even the British have taken a pragmatic approach with this, which is to say they're not allowing it in their core, only on the sort of the edges of the network. But I mean, when you look at the situation between Canada and China right now, I mean, Frosty would potentially be uh, the best case scenario. And we're seeing farmers um, literally put through the ringer. And now we want to expose all other parts of our economy, which will rely on this technology to Chinese influence. It just seems like the stupidest thing uh, in decades in Canadian policy. Privacy and security risks are why we reach out to you. And uh, one of the risks now is concerning Apple and an announcement they made last month where you would sign in with uh, a new Apple service. It's open ID protocol. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Because I think it's there are some people that are concerned about uh, this new way that Apple has you sign in to use your um, accounts. Like I think I saw it on my Apple TV So, yeah, so Apple wants to promote um, a better way of doing, from its perspective, single sign-on. And we've seen this idea of single sign-on before. Facebook's rolled one out. Google's rolled one out. Microsoft has one. And the underpinnings of that technology is a standard called OpenID. The benefit to Facebook, Google, and Microsoft of this um, single login is they get some really good intelligence as to what other services their users are using and can use that in their development of new product services etc. It can be somewhat privacy invasive. Now, Apple wants to do the same thing, give people the convenience of one account to log into all their services, this time being an Apple account, but wants to give it, from its perspective, added privacy in that you can create, instead of having to use your real Apple ID email address, you can create fake ones to sign up for services you don't want to have your email address, both for privacy reasons and maybe because you don't want unsolicited email. Mm-hmm. Now, the implementation of that is somewhat controversial because this devalues some of the, the open ID um, groups sort of ideas and their value proposition for even having the standard. And so this group has pointed out some legitimate security concerns about flaws and how Apple wants to approach this that Apple will have to address. But there's a bigger business sort of battle playing out here between Apple and its closed ecosystem and these other players who make money uh, in various degrees off of personal information. Interesting. So this will this continue on? Do you think we're going to hear more about this? Because right now it's just a few people that are starting to, uh, you know, raise concerns. Yeah, about, about in the InfoSec community and in some informal um, uh, polls in the information security community, about 60% of people are lining up behind the Open ID group and saying, you know, Apple has to address these con- uh, concerns and why can't they just adopt the practice that the others have, which is good enough and a good approach to privacy and security to move forward. Maybe they're trying to push the envelope too far with this um, creating fake email addresses bit. And then there's other people who are siding with Apple going, you know what, they'll fix the specific problems that have been identified, but we support this idea of giving people more choice and flexibility with the disclosure of their personal information. The end winner in all of this is consumers, because this is the first time we've seen these giants battle it out with privacy actually as the center point. So as much as it's weird, it's kind of like watching Godzilla fight Mothra a little bit. Uh, The end result will be a win for all of us. Excellent. Well, David, thanks so much for making sense of some of these tech stories that we see pop up. Oh, you're very welcome. Appreciate it. David Shipley, 640 Toronto Tech Analyst, and uh, he's also CEO of Boceron Security.